0: Our first 25 gig customer that we announced in August of last year is the Chattanooga Convention Center. We're not unlike any other community. We have a large regional hospital here, we have a university here, all of which have very high bandwidth needs. Because we have a fiber infrastructure in place already, we can upgrade electronics that are able to serve those type of needs very quickly.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in St. Paul, Minnesota where I don't know if we're going to hit positive digits today. Uh, Katie, um, I'm here, well, let me introduce you and then I'll I'll talk about the weather more because people love that on a tech <laughs> podcast. Um, I'm here with uh, with a repeat guest, Katie Espeseth, who is the vice president for new products at EPB in Chattanooga. Welcome.
0: Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to join you today.
1: It is wonderful to have you back. And I just thought I would start off by saying that I'm sure uh, most people would rather be where you are than where I am.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I will say we're. I'm not even going to try to match the uh, your weather, uh, but it's 33 here, and and we're suffering with 33.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you're probably in that situation where, um, I mean, just to kick it off, one of the benefits of your fiber optic system, and being tied in with the electric system is that when people's heating goes on the fritz, you can let them know before they get a horrendously high bill because they've been heating with a backup system that is much less energy
0: efficient. That's true. You know, with with fiber as the backbone, um, you're you're really capable of adding literally thousands, thousands of sensors that detect all sorts of anomalies on the system all the way down to your meter. Um, and so, with that, you know we can we can detect when you're headed for an extremely high bill when there's something not quite right going on. We don't know what it is inside your house, but we do know that something from getting to your meter doesn't look right, and we can reach out and we have, in fact, notified folks um, that something's not right and their auxiliary heat may be on. And instead of headed for a, a two thousand dollar bill, we can intercept that a little bit earlier. Um, so the more you know the The more you can manage your energy bills. And that's that's really, that's the basis of our fiber optic network was really to build a smart grid, not only for more reliable power, but to help folks manage their energy usage, give them the data they need to be able to manage it more effectively.
1: I was thinking that maybe we would talk a little bit about as though someone listening isn't familiar with Chattanooga, but I just, I don't know who wouldn't be familiar with Chattanooga. One of the the brightest success stories in the field um, now operating since 2009, um, really leading the nation in announcing higher speed plans, never raising your prices from what I can tell, only increasing your speeds dramatically, um, just all kinds of benefits. But let me, let me just ask you about that. Cause I feel like you know you're obviously i mean your title is is vp of new products you're a tech kind of person but i also think it's important that people have a sense of just that epb is not about the technology so much as it is about the incentives being aligned with the community and, and that's where I'll often say, you know, the EPB network uses a lot of the same components that Verizon Fios does that other AT&T does that small private companies do. I mean, this isn't, this isn't like you guys developed your own, you own boards or anything like that. Right. Um, and just, you know, if you can let people know, like, what is it, um, how, what that separates you that, and, and that it's not the technology.
0: You're exactly right. Uh, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, we're an, a municipally owned electric power utility, and I'll just start from there. So uh, we're owned by the city of Chattanooga, but we certainly operate as an independent independent board. Uh, but because we're public power, um, our mission really was rooted when we were founded in the late 1930s, and it's about improving quality of life for people who live in our area all of our efforts are pointed in that direction to achieve that mission. So when it meant bringing electrification to the valley, heck, that was uh, that that path was completely clear. We knew that that by bringing electricity to everyone who lives in our footprint, we were certainly improving their quality of life. Um, in the 2000s, we realized everybody has electricity. What are we lacking? What can we do to really improve the lives of folks in Chattanooga? Um, And we think that improving quality of life is tied to economic development. We think it's tied to uh, bringing good jobs here, um, offering a great quality of life, whether it's recreational or professional. Um, And when we started to look around, we realized a couple of keys to that that we could impact was about being able to offer more reliable electric service. You know, certainly our electric service was on par with others in the nation. I'm not insinuating that we were providing subpar services, but we knew we could do better. And when you look at how much electric outages cost communities, not necessarily utilities, but communities as a whole, we realized if we could take a bite out of that, we could really impact productivity in the region. We could bring more companies in to locate here. Companies could could grow and prosper here. And oh, by the way, if you choose a technology that can accommodate access to high-speed broadband and internet services, you accomplish two things with one type of technology. And looking around, we realized that in in the early 2000s, Chattanooga was underserved by our incumbent providers here. Um, So we said, okay, we want to improve our electric performance. And be able to offer high-speed internet services because that those two things are key to companies locating here and growing here, and that means new jobs and better jobs for our folks. So that's what we said about doing. We launched um, our first customer, commercial customer, residential customer in, in 2009. Offered the first ubiquitous gig service in in 2010. 2015, we began offering 10 gig services and then just last year um, announced 25 gig services. So all of those things, to your original point, certainly... We did those with technology that many, many commercial carriers use. We use fiber optic technology as the base, but we've, uh, we started out with GPON. We went to NGPON. Now we're at XGS, 25 gig GPON. So we are constantly updating and improving our network for quality of life reasons. Um, it's the same technology that others in the country deploy. Our, our reason for doing it may be a little bit different. But still at the end of the day, we don't have stockholders and we don't necessarily are not held to issuing dividends. Trust me, we are held to the same standards of we need to uh, not lose money. But everything that we do make, we um, roll back into our community here and we pride ourselves on being able to share what we do with our community by constantly keeping them on the technological edge of things. And if that's, That's one thing that we try to do is that we try to continually update the technology, and it's all about keeping the community on the forefront of what's going on to get people to move here, to get people to uh, build their companies here, because we think that benefits everyone.
1: And that is something that we've seen from most municipalities that have built citywide fiber networks that focus on on economic development, on bringing in jobs, on making sure that existing businesses have a great environment. But what I think EPB has done in raising the bar is is then using the proceeds of that when you've succeeded at that and and there's multiple studies about the like 10x return on investment that you've had on your investment um you have moved forward in a great partnership that is uh, known as HCS Connect for the Hamilton County Schools where in the pandemic and other people were futzing around with uh, with hot spots that didn't really work and things like that, you all started rolling out uh, a fiber optic service to all the free and reduced lunch families. And uh, how has that been going?
0: You know, we're seeing that grow year in every year. Um, And so, you know, we futzed around in the beginning, too, with some (laughs) hotspots. We immediately went to the streets and put up over 100 hotspots to try to solve the problem immediately. We knew that wasn't the long term answer, but we did we did want to at least make that happen quickly.
1: And you're right. Um, I should say I was actually, the English language being so imprecise, uh, I was actually thinking of the mobile cellular hotspots oh, that were deployed. Oh, oh, and oh. in some cases they worked yeah. well, but in many yeah. cases they found that local cell sites were overloaded or didn't have the service and and the mobile connectivity wasn't there when it was needed. And so that's something that I found, I found frustrating and a reminder of why we can't just expect that in an emergency, we can um, just have wireless save us all.
0: You know that that's interesting because um, just like everyone else in the country, as soon as we got the news that we were all going home, that the schools were closing and kids were going to be learning from home, we started collapsing around that problem. We were Chattanooga was in a good position in that we had fiber outside of it, it, that passes every home and business already. Um, we have about a seventy percent market share, so seventy percent of our one hundred eighty five thousand homes and businesses have our services already. But there's that 30% that didn't. And we knew we had to do something quickly to be able for those kids to still learn if they were in that situation, for businesses to still operate those that needed to move home, that sort of thing. So we did, in fact, look at mobile services, just as you, you suggested. And, um we realized that might plug a small hole, but it wouldn't really um, help the community for the long term. And we didn't have any earth- earthly idea how long this was going to last. But even more importantly, it shined a bright light on the fact that 30 percent of folks did not have access to the or had could not subscribe or had not subscribed to our services. So uh, we have some great local partners. We partnered with the Hamilton County folks, with the city of Chattanooga some private businesses here some of our foundations all um we all came to the table to say what can we do quickly and what can we do long term to make a lot uh, a difference in the lives of these children who don't necessarily whose families can't afford or have not subscribed to our services so uh, to your point we have about 16,000 um households today on the HCS Connect program that touches the the lives of about 28,000 folks. And what that means is that we, um, if you didn't have our services or if you did have our services, we converted you to HCS products. So for we have funded the program for 10 years and that will continue. We just initially funded it for 10 years. Uh, So if you have a child in the Hamilton County Schools that's on free or reduced lunch, the school certifies you. We don't We don't ask a lot of probing questions. There's not a lot of hoops you have to jump through from us. The school just lets us know. And if you want to order the services, you have 300 megs symmetrical with a router installed in your home at no cost to you. We're mandated by the state that we can't um, provide services below our cost. We make no profit, of course, on this, uh, but with our great partners, they really picked up our costs for that. So uh, to our customers, there is no cost. And we were able to still um, adhere to what the state law is.
1: And there's a couple of points I would like to raise. One is that I love that you credit your partners, because I do feel like when people ask me, how is EPB so amazing? I'll Often start by noting that that you are a very well operated organization, and for people that are interested, I spoke with Harold DePriest in an extended interview many years ago about some of the. You were there. You, I think, came in after that culture change that they went through in the late '90s, early 2000s.
0: I was working uh, for a, a large national carrier, and so I didn't join EPB till 2004 when we started seriously doing business planning. So I did miss a lot of the culture change, but Harold's a great source of information. And he, uh, he truly lived through that from day one. And,
1: and so I I don't want to take anything away from EPB fiber, but you have a great ecosystem there of, you know, the enterprise center, I think does wonderful work. I'm a big fan of them and, and so many businesses and others are really committed to the success of the region. And so I think people can't miss that, that you really need a, an ecosystem that pulls together to have a success this
0: big. And, you know, we, the, the enterprise center, we have collab located with them um, certainly, Chattanooga is fortunate that we have a number of very successful foundations mm-hmm. here in Chattanooga um, that stem from the Coca-Cola story. Um, but but at any rate, they really have dedicated their, their missions center on education and improving thing, uh, quality of life in Chattanooga. So we dovetail well with our mission and their operations and there's just a, a great sense of cooperation within the community. We've also had great political support and legislative support in Chattanooga, um, all the way beginning with the riverfront uh, renovation, beginning back in the, in the 80s and 90s, all the way through to today. Um, we may have our differences, certainly just like every community. But when it comes to the betterment of how our folks live in it. We certainly all do come to the table and and throw our full support around projects like Ed Connect. We were we didn't do that by any stretch. We were a facilitator, and it's our technology or it's our network. But by no means were we the only reason that that program has been successful.
1: The thing that blows me away is I hadn't gotten the latest numbers, but sixteen thousand. My understanding is is that the total number of potentially eligible homes is in the around seventeen thousand, and I've we're getting not... close. I've not heard of anyone getting that close i mean that's it's very difficult. People don't appreciate how difficult it is often to get even fifty percent of people in this situation because they're often people who are changing homes rapidly. They are people who are suspicious because they've been targeted in the past by offers that look too good to be true uh you know and so uh I think there's a a remarkable story to be told there about getting so close to a hundred percent of the of the available audience.
0: We have 16,000 students. That doesn't necessarily mean 16,000 homes, okay. but we but we are getting, we are in that 10,000 and above range of homes. So we, we do have some room to go, but we're working hard and it improves and increases every year along the way. Um, and that's what we want. We want continual improvement. We want, try to get the word out. Hamilton County Schools does a great job of making our, making their students aware and their families aware of the availability. Um, and we we work really hard for there to be no barriers mm-hmm. when people do want our services. Um, and, and you know, we we're very careful about their experience uh, in dealing with our folks as they place the order. And then certainly as we as we do the installation. So we try to be very, very sensitive. And we're always, you know, we're in conversations right now about how do we expand this program? Yes. Uh, well, and, and what does that look like for us?
1: I would I would love to keep talking about it there's so many different things that that you have going on. I was going to jump next to the SmartNet Plus and uh that's a a program that I thought people might want to hear a bit about. What is SmartNet Plus?
0: Well, um you know we recognize that the speed that we deliver to the side of your home means nothing if you don't get those speeds inside of your home. Um and so uh we we've been offering wireless a router service for years. Um, and we we wanted to update that and make sure that our customers have access to the same great speeds inside their home that they do that we're delivering to them and you mentioned CES and oh my gosh if I was not a believer and uh, you need terrific wireless connectivity before I went I certainly did come back with that with that understanding just Thousands of options, thousands right of wireless devices. So a
1: you know, month we ago you were at up... the consumer electronics show for people who aren't in the in the business. Sorry. Um, yep. No, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> uh,
0: it's it's one of those that I hadn't been to in a couple of years because of COVID and some other things. So it was exciting to be able to go back and I urge anybody that is interested in technology and looking towards the future. Uh, It's a great show in Las Vegas every year, that first week in January. The number of devices that are in in folks' homes today, I I, I sit in on several of the sessions, and I think the average now is 16 smart devices that need wireless connectivity in your home today. And, you know, we've done uh, some uh, surveys here and some focus groups and informal Facebook surveys and that sort of thing. Um, And Chattanooga is about that same norm. It's shocking. But when you really step back and think of everything in your home that requires wireless that you really may not have thought of, you need a strong partner to be sure that every device is covered. We wanted our customers to have insight into the health of their network. We wanted to give them the tools to manage their network if they wanted to do that or to at least understand what was going on. Certainly, uh, we pride ourselves on twenty four seven technical support. That's all here, located in Chattanooga. Um, and if they can't solve your problem quickly, we'll have a truck at your door at your convenience to be able to solve that problem. So, our SmartNet Plus is just an enhanced version of that wireless connectivity inside your home. We want every square inch of your home to be able to operate wirelessly. Um, and so, you you do get you can take advantage of this. Sp- Beads that we're delivering to you we just think now it's about what you can do with it inside your home we all lived through the pandemic we all learned at home we had kids at home we had folks who were working at home in some cases you had people gaming at home at the same time um, and so not only is it about you but it's about your whole family being able to um, enjoy and learn and work at home all at the same time
1: one of the things that I heard about CES was we're getting more and more products that are finally gonna be able to take advantage of more than one gigabit. I think we've had 20 years now of the one gigabit port on a lot of our devices and we're we're going beyond that more rapidly now, it seems like. Yes. Yes. I mean,
0: um we're rolling out some devices now, some routers now and pods that have one gig, but we but that's not at all where we're gonna stop. I mean, we we offer five gig, ten gig, twenty-five gig. Today and so we're continually updating our devices, uh, especially in the commercial for our, our our commercial customers. Our first 25 gig customer that we rolled out and we announced in August of last year is the Chattanooga Convention Center, and as you well know, they host a number of conventions every year with all sorts of folks using their cell phones, running different devices. And we just thought that it was very appropriate that the first 25 gig service that we installed would be at the convention center. It's kind of a, a showcase for them and a showcase for us. But I think it demonstrates uh, the need for high bandwidth um, opportunities with multiple devices.
1: Well, especially one that has hosted multiple e-gaming summits and championships and things like that. That's right.
0: That's that's a great point. So, um we were happy to partner with them as our first customer. And, and, you know, we're not unlike any other community. We have a large regional hospital here. We have university here, um, all of which have very high bandwidth needs. Um, And so unlike in some locations where you're having to build specifically to serve them, because we have a fiber infrastructure in place already, we can upgrade electronics that are able to serve those type of needs very quickly.
1: The last four trips I've made into my office because I do most of my work from home now have been to uh, get to a gigabit upload and download where there was no bandwidth cap because I've hit my bandwidth cap several times in the past few months. And uh, that's not a problem on your network, as I understand
0: it. No, that's that's one of the luxuries that um, it's, th- those are some of the things that drove us to build fiber um, was really that we knew it had un- unlimited possibilities. We've upgraded and changed electronics. This is our third iteration of our network in 12 years. It will not be the last.
1: Right. Well, I have to ask then, as we're winding down the interview about Knoxville, because Knoxville is uh, is building their own fiber network now. I have to assume there's a bit of a rivalry in some level between Chattanooga and Knoxville. And it looks to me like y'all are helping them rather than trying to get some sugar in their gas tank. So um, no. I'm curious how that's going <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, we um we are absolutely delighted to work with other communities. In fact, we have a group within the company, Braben Solutions, and we partner with um right now we're partnering with 20 other communities in their deployment. So um we offer consulting services for them. Um uh, we do a lot of their market research and, and survey work and that sort of thing. We we handle some of their call center services for them, we do some of their smart grid work. So Um, you know, we're, we're believers in what building this type of infrastructure can do for a community. So when another community is interested in it, um, we're happy to work with them and we do work some with KUB and we're cheering them on from the sideline. I mean, they're, they, they're larger than we are. Um, and so we look forward to the day when they pass us in, in their sub counts and their customer counts, um. I think but it'll take a, a little bit of time, but yes, they're, it, it will. It took, us, a lot, a it took us some time too, but um, they have great leadership in Knoxville and they're doing it for the same reasons that, that a lot that munis and co-ops move into this business. And um, so any way we can help them and other communities. We're delighted to do it. Uh, as we were building our network and writing our business plan, we travel all over to anyone that would talk to us we were so lucky that other communities were would open their doors and sit down and talk to us and share what they had done well and what they had not done well we learned from them so much during that process that um, we kind of think it's our way to pay it forward we need to do the same thing for other communities because we do believe this is the right thing to happen across the country, country whether it's a muni or co-op uh, uh, a, a, a different type of, there's all sorts of different business models. I don't think there's one that works that I'd say is the best. It's really what works best for you. So um, no, we, we think uh rising tide will, ra- will uh, raise all boats and we're happy to be part of that.
1: Well, I've been surprised to see that the Tennessee legislature has been um, uh, not Uh, I'm trying to think of how to say this properly, because the Tennessee legislature is acting in some interesting ways, I think, in that um, you uh, and and the many other municipal fiber networks that have been so successful across Tennessee are prohibited from um, offering advanced services outside of your electric territory. At the same time, the broadband office has been giving grants to some munis where they have low-density areas that are not covered within their electric territory lines. And so I feel like the state is both encouraging and discouraging <laughs> municipal investment at the same time. Uh, so I'm just curious if you see any of that dynamic. Is that is that what I'm per- correctly perceiving?
0: The interesting thing is that you're exactly correct. We are not allowed to own customers or provide services outside of our footprint. There's many different ways we can work together to enable others to provide these services. So where there is connectivity between neighboring municipalities or operating systems, we certainly take advantage of that. You know, we we lease fiber from other carriers or from even in some cases TVA leases their fiber to us and to anyone else really um, who wants to take advantage of that. But by having that kind of connectivity, whether it's it's an informal middle mile right now, we'd like to make it a formal middle mile. We can really share services. Uh, we can reduce the cost to enter the market by being able to enjoy the economies of scale that some of us who are already in the business have been afforded. We can lower their financial risk to get into the business. We can share applications, share experiences. So we may not own customers in each other's footprints, but it doesn't prohibit us from working together to help to help all of us offer better services to each other.
1: Well, that's good, and and I think you know for people who aren't familiar, whether it's um you know up in the the corner there with Irwin, uh, down to y'all, you got Morristown, you got Bristol, you got Johnson City with the the Bright Ridge, East Tennessee has got to be one of the best connected parts of the United States of America for in terms of pricing, reliability, and high speed services. It's truly remarkable,
0: and and you've got Lenore City getting ready to launch. That's here, right, uh, which is right outside of Knoxville, and you know they serve thousand literally i think 60,000 they pass that homes and businesses so um you're right it, it's been and you know when we launched in 2009 we were not we were by far not the first in tennessee right. to get into the business so uh, i think we were sixth or seventh in fact of the munis to jump into the business so we've had a long history of our munis and our co-ops as well um serving their customers this way, so I think um, interestingly enough that puts Tennessee kind of as a as a market leader in, in in building this type of infrastructure
1: I think so and uh and I think you know with the uh, kind of uh, shared knowledge that we see from from you and and others in the area I hope that will continue uh, so uh, thank you so much Katie for your, your time once again it's it's wonderful seeing what you've done
0: well thank you and we're always we're always excited to talk about Chandigo and we applaud what you're doing to make Make sure that everyone in the country has access to this, these same advantages that we hear in, we enjoy in Chattanooga. So thanks for your time.
2: We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadband bits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at community nets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. licensed through Creative Commons. This was the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening.